0: Thanks for listening to the City Collective Podcast. We hope that this message from Pastor Jason Charles and the City Collective team challenges and inspires you. Enjoy. wonderful. Um, If you're new to City Collective, thank you so much for being here with us this morning. Uh, Wherever you find yourself on your journey of faith, Christian, non-Christian, atheist, agnostic, not really sure what you believe and why you're really in church at all, and maybe it has to do with babies, maybe it has to do with baptisms, maybe it's because you got on the wrong bus this morning. Whatever it is that brought you here, we're really excited that you showed up here at City Collective on a joyful and a wondrous Sunday that we get to celebrate together. There is something truly magical magnificent that we get to take part in in moments such as these when we get to look at families that are committing and dedicating their children to being a place where uh, God is glorified and God has made the center of it all. Uh, now we're going to take some moment we're going to we're going to jump into our final session of our series that we're going through and then we have baptisms happening at the end of the service. So lots of good things ahead. I promise that the baptisms will, will get there and that will be uh, a wonderful moment for us to celebrate. But what we're in the middle of right now is we are going through a mental health series called Lonely. And we've talked about a variety of different things. But this past week, we talked about the idea of vulnerability versus oversharing and how we can sometimes be prone to feel as if the only way to be vulnerable is to say everything. And that is actually not what we are supposed to do. Where society might make us believe that oversharing is the only way to be your authentic and true self when the reality is that vulnerability is actually a space to discover who you truly are and how truly loved you are. And vulnerability is an opportunity to actually overcome this idea that we've been talking about, which is loneliness. Um, Overcoming loneliness, it requires vulnerability, vulnerability requires courage, and courage requires belief that you are worth fighting for. And so we talked about it last week, be honest, be intentional, and be courageous, and know that you are worth fighting for because you have a love that was given to you that made it so that you are called worthy because of the great sacrifice that Jesus gave for us. So we're going to continue this conversation today, and we're going to talk about the idea of fear and anxiety. And I think if we just do this real quick, if anyone in this room has ever experienced fear and anxiety, please raise your hands. Thank you for being honest. If you haven't, you aren't being honest. And so you should be fearful. All right. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. We're not going to, we're not that kind of church. We're not going to, yeah, I don't know. (laughs) Moving on. Matthew 6. (laughs) All right. We're going to jump right into scripture this morning. Matthew 6, starting in verse 25, it says this. It says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear, is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or stow away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Jesus is coming in hot. And he says, why and why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow, they, they do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothed the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, some versions say the oven, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, other versions say Gentiles, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So do you ever find yourself worrying in that space where we're wondering what's going to happen next? Perhaps uh, you are aware that you are a little bit prone to worry uh, a bit too much, and some of us vocalize it. Some of us internalize it. Some of us are avoidant. Some of us are direct. All different. All real. uh, And all lead to processing in different matters. And there's moments in our lives where I think that we're expected to worry a little bit. Like wedding prep, you're expected to worry a little bit about the details, about it all coming together, about making sure that this color is in line with, I'm not the person that was taking care of those details. So I wasn't worrying about them, but I have no doubt that Adriana was, and very aware. But we have elements where we have, there's like an expectation of, of worry, and in some ways, I would say the normalizing of it. That worry is just like a normal part of life, and so we should always just be in it, regardless of how it actually is impacting our mental, our physical, our spiritual sense of being. But... This is something we've talked about all through this series. The intention of God from the very beginning was not for us to be in mental anguish. The design of God from the very beginning was that you and I would actually experience this idea of the kingdom of heaven here on earth. Where joy and peace and love and grace and all of those elements that God promises were actually the intention and design for humanity from the very beginning. And these moments of struggle where our mental health is at risk or we go through these, these convulsions. They are not actually God's intention for your life. And to normalize it is to move away from the possibility that God can actually redeem it. And to, and to just leave it as it is is not inviting God into our story. Uh, David talks about this idea of fear, fear and worry often. Psalm 139, it talks about all external factors. And all of a sudden, he goes from focusing on all the enemies around him to focusing on the enemy. Within, that the greatest battles that we fight are often the greatest battles inside. In verse 23 of chapter 139, David says, Search me, know my heart, test me, and know my anxious thoughts. And the reality is, in a life in which God promises us peace and invites us to experience joy, I am left with the question, Why am I anxious? And, and there's distinguishing we need to do between the idea of fear and anxiety. Fear, fear is the moment when you're at 25,000 feet and you feel a severe turbulence come through. Anxiety is the, what you may experience when you take your seat on the airplane before it takes off. Fear is when you sit down with your boss and they tell you that things aren't going particularly well. Anxiety is driving to the office knowing that you go to meet with the boss. So those are just some basic separations between the two ideas. And and I want to preface this always by saying that the idea of mental health is not so cut and dry. Anxiety disorders are a real thing and they're different. Um, There are a group of mental illnesses and the the distress that they can cause, they can keep you from carrying on with your life normally. For people who have one, worry and fear can be constant and overwhelming, and they can be disabling. This is why we need to be having a conversation with mental health professionals, with counselors, with uh, medical professionals, someone who can provide an experienced evaluation of where you're at and what you're going through, and so that they can be a part of the journey of finding health, but to just rely on one area is to rob ourselves of the possibility within another because I believe that Jesus has something to say very specifically about this idea of anxiety within our life that we are experiencing so often where we are not able to be present in today because we're worrying about tomorrow. On any given day, fear speaks to us, telling us what we cannot do. And, and what fear is, fear is a, is a thief. It takes what does not belong to it your confidence your identity your relationships and and it comes in those moments when you need it the least it it can cripple and it can overwhelm and it and it does so much damage in those moments when we don't have healthy systems of of processing through and relationships to to be present to support us in those seasons And anxiety is paralyzing in its own right, not over what it is, but over what could be. It's the burden of the moment being carried by you when experiencing stress. It's it's a natural response. And to be honest, this might sound odd, but anxiety is actually intended for good. It it, it prepares you to respond appropriately to an intense situation. But this is what the devil does. The devil wants to take what God intends for good and use it for evil. That the tactic of the enemy in many ways is not as dramatic as we fathom, but it is often simply distraction. Distraction from what it is intended to be and actually makes it a piece of identity that we carry. Distraction from the promises of God. And that Jesus, he, he outlines over and over and over again that the promises of God are the idea of the kingdom of heaven here on earth. Like we said, joy, peace, love, hope, prosperity, relationship. These are the desires of God for our lives. And what Jesus is doing in this passage is he is very specifically going up against this idea of anxiety and worry and how we process it as individuals and what is actually leading us to that place. At the beginning of the passage, some of you might be saying, hold up, um, I have no problem with the idea of food and clothing. I'm not really worrying about what I'm going to eat. I'm worried about where I'm going to eat. So <laughs> I'm not really thinking about that in this current moment. So this, this passage isn't really applicable to me. Wrong. Um, what really is happening is that Jesus begins to talk about the priorities which we have in our life how we value different things because he says is not life more than food and is not the body more than clothing and so what Jesus is saying here is one of the ways that fear and anxiety works is it becomes our priority when our priorities are out of order Jesus is saying be careful of what you value Because what you value, you give certain things the authority to rule over your life and rule over your mind. And they're not always bad things, but when good things become the ultimate thing, they become the thing that actually lead us down that path of fear and anxiety. For example, if you hold too tightly to those things uh, that you shouldn't be holding tightly to, fear and anxiety marks our life. For example, the idea of money. Money is important, and and it is the means in which we live our life. That you need money to pay rent, to go to school, uh, to have, to be able to provide for your children. To have a church on a Sunday morning. Money is a part of our existence and it's important in the grand scope of things. But when we make money the ultimate thing, it drives us to this place of fear and anxiety over and over and over again. Priority has a weird way of creating value when we aren't really prepared to handle it. For example, when I'm looking at my shoes, I have white shoes on right now. They are very white. I do not always have shoes that are this white on (laughs) because I have valued these shoes and I've placed a priority on keeping them clean. And there's a certain value then on these shoes versus my shoes that I wear every day. But the functionality of them in reality is the same. When we place a higher priority on something, we create a higher value within it And it actually has a greater impact and use in our life. So the question that we're faced with when we're talking about fear and anxiety is what is your ultimate priorities in life? Because I think what fear and anxiety can actually reveal is it can show you what is driving you to that place of fear and anxiety. And does that priority actually have a healthy space for you to manage? So the example of money is one, and there's a tougher example of of, of children. Um, children are, are a wonderful thing. Children are a gift from God. But even if we take something as wonderful as children and we make them the priority in our lives, can you see how that would actually take you to a place of perhaps being overwhelmed by fear and anxiety because we believe that we need to control every bit of their story and every bit of their lives? And, and it becomes this space of maybe being a helicopter parent that you're o- part of everything and you think you're doing the best thing. And you're trying to protect them from everything. Don't worry, my mom tried. That I wouldn't actually experience anything else but the very best of life. But the reality is that we cannot protect them from any everything. Therefore, if we are placing them as our highest priority, we are going to be constantly be overwhelmed with fear and anxiety because we know that there will be hardships in this world. Good things are not meant to be the ultimate things just as much as bad things are not meant to be the ultimate things. Jesus is saying, watch your priorities. Watch how you categorize things because when you misplace things, it's called idolatry. And now fear and anxiety are actually going to grow in your life. And that which we give authority to rule and reign in our life is the source from which we bear fruit. That which we give authority to rule and reign over our life is the source from which we bear fruit. And if it is the wrong set of authority, often the fruit is fear and anxiety. And then Jesus wants us to continue moving forward and and he talks about the idea of birds and I don't really have a great love for birds or a great understanding of birds but when I researched about birds because I figured I should know a little bit of something after reading this passage, they work really hard. <laughs> birds, they, they, they are active and they are moving and they're doing so much and they're, they're building nests and, and they're, they're starting families and there's so much happening within the lifespan of a bird. But Jesus is saying that birds are amazing and they work so hard and they build so much, but humanity made in the image of God, you and I, we are literally talking about the idea of moving to Mars, There's incredible things that God has placed within humanity, creativity and imagination and innovation, things that are out of the scope and realm of so so many other amazing elements that God has had a part in creating, but we so often don't understand that if God values those things, the birds of the air, can you imagine how much more He values you? And this is kind of an encouragement from Jesus to to work hard, to to be good stewards, and to trust him. Don't be a fool. Have wisdom. But trust him. And and then Jesus comes in hot. And I love when Jesus comes in hot. And he comes in strong. And he doesn't cut corners. In verse 27, he, he, he um, he, he says, which of you believe that being anxious can actually add a single hour to your life. And we're all like, yeah, that makes sense, but I don't have to say it like that. <laughs> like, I, I know I'm worried. I know it's not helpful, but it's what I'm feeling right now. And, and what this is, what, and when I read this passage, there's actually an incredible amount of compassion within this statement because it's Jesus saying that, that when you have anxiety in your life, it grieves me. Because it's making it more difficult than I desire it for, for it to be. That which of you can add a single hour to the span of your life? None of us. So he's literally saying, I, I want you to stop torturing yourself. I, I want you to stop putting yourself down. I want you to experience life in, in a beautiful and whole manner. And then he goes on to say, and why do you worry about clothes and see how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, as some versions say the oven, um, will he not much more clothe You And and it's interesting, this idea of here today and gone tomorrow, and this idea of gone tomorrow and thrown into the oven, and it comes from, in the Jewish tradition, what they would actually do is when they were baking daily bread, when they were making the bread for their daily feasts, they wouldn't actually go chop down a tree, but they would pull up the grass from the fields and they would use that as fuel for the daily bread, that it was useful and it was meant for good. But how God actually closed... All of the grass in such splendor that it doesn't even, that even Solomon does not compare to the beauty and the wonder of that grass that is going to be here today and gone tomorrow. Would you not see that value in yourself? Jesus over and over again, he's not trying to force something down your throat of like, just don't be anxious. But he's saying, don't be anxious, but I want you to start by understanding that you are loved and you are valued and you are beautiful because that is how I see you and that is how I know you. Look at the way in which I perceive the world and imagine how I can perceive you. And for so many of us in this room, this foundation of fear and anxiety that we are living our life from is from this place of not having a sense of value of self, that you are so quick to push away your own self-truths of love, of grace, of beauty, the things that God says about you, and it just leads us to this place over and over again of fear and anxiety. And Jesus says, don't worry, what shall we eat, what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? He's like, I'm going to provide for you, for the pagans or the Gentiles. They run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. This is so important to see that, that Jesus is not ignorant of the reality of fear and anxiety in our lives. You will have trials, he says, but he then speaks to the place in which we need to put our trust. Why? He says, put your trust in me because I have overcome the world. So when I encounter situations where anxiety or fear rises up within me, even when I thought I had dealt with it and I need to lay it before God, he's saying, just come to me over and over and over again, for in me you will find rest. The worst thing that you can do with fear and anxiety is pretend that you have strength that you don't. There needs to be a sense of laying down. It says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you. Seek first. So now we're coming back to this place where for Jesus is inviting us to consider what is the very first thing that we place in our life. Seek first the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is this, the kingdom of one that is humble, that is generous, and is a response of self-sacrifice to a world that is selfish, that is pride-filled, and is focused on personal gratification. Seek first the kingdom of God. All these things will be given to you as well. And he says, therefore, don't, don't worry. Don't worry about tomorrow. Today's got a lot going on and tomorrow will come and take care of itself. And it it can kind of seem like he's brushing off the idea of tomorrow. But there's compassion even in that statement saying, you don't need to worry about tomorrow because if we're being honest, there's enough going on today. And when we're so focused on tomorrow, we have an inability to be present in today. And even if we don't have a lot of difficult things going on today, there's a multitude of things to be thankful for and to have gratitude overwhelm our lives. Anxiety is like that magnifying glass in the heat of summer on a giant ice cube of gratitude that is melting away because it causes thankfulness to just slip between our fingers. Because all we can focus on is this beating sun that seems to be overwhelming us and melting us down to our very core. When the actual invitation is is to discover in the moment and today what we can be thankful for. Understanding that tomorrow will come and there will be challenges. But we have a good God that has great love for us to experience in the here and the now. There is always something to worry about for tomorrow. Can we all agree? But I would like to invite you to come to the concept and to to the truth that there's always something to be thankful for Today. We are so quick to see the worry of tomorrow that we can't see the opportunity to be thankful today. I have so much to be grateful for in my life, but it's also so easy to glaze it over and to simply see the challenge of tomorrow. But the invitation that Jesus gives, he says, tomorrow's going to come, but worry about today. And know that you are valued, know that you are clothed in beauty, and know that you are loved And experience that in the fullness of today and discover how that's going to transform your life. And then we will start to give the right things in our life priority. Because we give priority to what we believe has the greatest ability to actually move our lives in a good direction. We give priority to what we believe is actually going to move our lives in a good direction. It's an easy thing to say. God, give God the priority of your life. Make God first. Sure. That's a nice thing to say. But until we actually believe that God has our best intentions in mind, that God is good, why would we actually give him our first? And if you do not actually believe that God is having priority in your life, the question I would present to you, do you actually believe that God is good and has the best intentions for your life at heart? And for many of us, uh, we can't honestly say that. And there's going to be days where, (laughs) myself included, I do not want to say that, and if I'm speaking honestly, I don't know if I really believe that. But the grace of God always invites us to ask that question again and discover in you that yes, he is good. And yes, he is there for us in our struggle. Because in Lamentations 3 verses 22 to 23, it says, The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Grace is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. I'm going to invite the worship team to come back to the front. And I'm going to end uh, with, with this thought. Uh, At this time last year, February 5th, 2019, Uh, When when I'm speaking about this idea of fear and anxiety, I don't want it to feel like uh, I've somehow found the magic sauce and I'm trying to give it to you. It's not that at all. I I believe that I'm in the process and in the searching and the discovery of what God is actually speaking in this season of my life of what it can look like as we move forward. Because just a year ago, almost exactly, uh, I had a, a really close friend of mine pass away of cancer um, at a really young age, leaving a family of uh, four amazing kids and, and a young wife. And it was sudden, and it was, it was painful. And then j- just a month later, in, in, at the beginning of March, my grandfather passed away. And we were, um, I turned 30 uh, in June l- last year, and he was about to turn 90. Um, we shared the same birthday, um, which was a beautiful thing. We got to always take part in together. And it was, it was, it was hard. Um, Unexpected, hurtful, difficult, and, and in, in short succession of one another. Um, and I found myself in this place of like trying to be strong. I, I literally went to both funerals on the weekend and then caught the first flight back here to preach on a Sunday morning. And you feel strong. You're like, I'm going to be good. This is going to be great. And I have a sense of pride in it. And I've got my own arrogance about it. And then Monday morning hits and I am a mess. Both weekends, coming back. Monday morning comes and I can barely get out of bed. I'm just so ridden with the fear and the anxiety of who's next. That it feels like these people that are close to me are are, are passing away, and, and there's no real explanation, and it just happens, and, and I don't know how to deal with it, and I don't know how to process it, and, and, it, and it overwhelms, and it just takes over my mind. So fear and anxiety. It's a, it's a real thing. And I had to have honest conversations with, with myself, with, um, with family. With, with trusted friends, and I had to have honest conversations with God. That I don't, I don't think I got the, the answers perhaps that I desired so perfectly in that moment. But the answer did lead me back to this place. This, this place of Lamentations 3, the faithful of love of the Lord never ends. That his mercy never ceases that great is his faithfulness his mercies begin afresh each morning and he's like monday was hard monday in some ways beat you but my mercies for you never ended and i want you to discover that you are valued that you are loved and that you are beautiful and that my grace for you is ever present in your moment of struggle and even when you lash out at me and you push up against me and you say that where are you God I'm still present and working in your story and this encouraged my heart over and over and I, I would like to say that this was a moment that I had that was like a revelation that changed everything and then life was just suddenly good and it was zero to 100 just like that no this was new mercies every day that I needed if, if you're here this morning and you feel like you're in a space of constant fear and anxiety There are new mercies for you every day, the exact ones that you need. That story of hope that he wishes for you to discover is not just a a quick blip in your life that he's like, if you see it in this moment, you'll figure it all out. No, it's a constant movie being played before you that he wants you to see for yourself. Because as I discovered these new mercies and how they, how they picked me up and how they began to heal my brokenness and my heartache, nothing else took priority. And as my priority began to shift, I discovered a sense of freedom from that fear and anxiety because we're called to consider our priority. To make Christ the center, to make Jesus the King of our heart. And that does not mean that you won't feel fear, but it does mean that fear will not rule over you. So be the most human that you can be. Reflect the image of God and be creative and be innovative, but be honest and be vulnerable and say I'm fearful about that and even if it feels ridiculous and even if it feels as if it's a ridiculous unfounded fear that makes you look silly is it still weighty is it still pressing on your soul If so bring it to him there is no fear that is too big or too small for the great healer to take upon himself and bring strength where we feel weakness. A revelation of relationship leads to a posture of priority because this is what Jesus is doing in this, in this narrative. The last thing he says is seek first the kingdom of God. But he says before before that over and over, don't you see how I've got you? Don't you see how I'm there for you? Don't you see how I love you? How I make you a priority? I want to have that relationship. And when we can have a revelation of the relationship that God wants to have with us, there will be nothing else that we want to make a priority in our life than just that. He loves you. He loves birds and He loves flowers, but He loves you even more so. He has crafted and made you in His image, and He wants you to return to relationship with Him as you were designed. That your fears and anxieties are not the defaults that you have to live with. They're malfunctions of an original design. That you and I were not meant to experience these things, but we're meant to experience relationship, to give Him priority and experience freedom from the fears and anxieties in our life. So I would encourage you this morning. That's the question I want you to answer for yourself. Do you trust God? Do you you believe that He is good? I, I don't need your Sunday school answer. I don't need you just to say yes. I need you to be honest. And I want you to consider how does that impact what's prior, what's your priority in life. And then even consider from there, how does that impact your experience of fear and anxiety in the world? Because this is not God's narrative for you. He has so much more. Let's pray together. Father, we give you thanks. That you are a good God that wants us to discover that we are loved beyond measure. Thank you that even as you teach us to seek first your kingdom, the thing that you place before us first is the relationship that you desire for us to discover with you. So I pray for every person in this room that we're not talking about just changing our practices or changing our habits. We're talking about a change of heart this morning that you would lead us to this place of heart transformation to discover all that the relationship with you can do within our lives. And that from the overflow of a heart that is fixated upon you, the rest of our life comes into clarity. So as we step forward this morning, and we get the opportunity to declare your goodness through baptism, to see individuals take this step, I pray that you would speak to hearts in this room right now that are feeling fearful, that are feeling anxious, that they are so overwhelmed by it and they don't know what to do or where to turn. I pray that there is a sense of peace that just falls upon this room and falls upon individual hearts, that they would hear your voice and that we would be a people that listen. And even as we step forward and as we declare, and for those in the room who have been baptized, let that moment be brought back to our hearts. This moment of death to life, I pray that we experience that life all over again as we celebrate in community. To be reminded of your goodness, perhaps when we need it at the very most. And for those in the room that are unsure about this idea of baptism or this idea of Jesus, the idea of being put to death all that was and being brought to life in all that can be through you. I pray that boldness is possible and that more than anything, it's just a revelation of you. We give you thanks. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Would you stand to your feet and we're going to jump right in. Thanks for listening to the City Collective Podcast. We hope you enjoyed that message. Please subscribe to stay up to date with every weekly message. For more information on City Collective, please visit www.citycollective.com. Or if you're in the greater Vancouver area, come visit us for Sunday. You can find more about our church and how you can get involved with what God is doing in the Lower Mainland. Have a great day.